Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meet Social and Emotional Learning podcast for Brain Fact Friday and episode number 133. On neuroplasticity, or the ability for our brain to rewire, grow, adapt, or change throughout a person's lifetime. Welcome back. I'm Andrea Samadhi, a former educator who's been fascinated with understanding the science behind high-performance strategies in school, sports, and the workplace for the past 20 years. If you've been listening to our podcast, you'll know that we've uncovered that if we want to improve our social and emotional skills and experience success in our work and personal lives, it all begins with an understanding of our brain. I remember the first time I heard the term neuroplasticity. It was in 2014 when I first began learning about the brain and learning, and a teacher in a workshop I was running asked me if I knew what it was, and I remember having an idea about what I thought it was, but I wouldn't have been able to explain it without the specific YouTube video showing how pathways of the brain are strengthened with use and weakened when they're not used, or the use it or lose it idea. I put this video in the show notes, but if you've been learning about the brain for some time, I'm sure you've already seen this video. It's been around for about 10 years now, and I have to say I'm so grateful for content like this that's helped me to learn the basics of neuroscience that I'll continue to share with you and help you to make connections, whether you're using this information in the classroom or the workplace. I love hearing new ways the podcast is helping people, most recently from Dorothy Ong from Madrid, Spain, who let me know she's been guiding coaches to the podcast who are learning the basics of neuroscience to help their clients. I always appreciate knowing how these ideas are being used and that the content is helpful. Thanks for the note, Dorothy. Please do send me a message via social media as I love hearing where you're listening to this podcast and how you're using this information. Remember, knowledge isn't power until it's applied. So back to this episode. In today's Brain Fact Friday, you will learn what is neuroplasticity and how this concept works in the brain when learning a new skill, thinking a certain way, or feeling a certain emotion how neuroplasticity helps us to create new habits, and how we can use it to break habits we don't want to keep. And the controversy behind this topic, and how two of the people we've interviewed ignored the naysayers and built a powerful career with the foundations of neuroplasticity. Which brings us to this week's Brain Fact Friday. Did you know that neurons that fire together, wire together? and that neurons that are out of sync fail to link. I remember writing an article on LinkedIn a few years ago explaining how we can use this idea, which involves the concept that every time we learn a new skill, think a certain way, or feel a certain emotion, we strengthen the connection in our brain for whatever it is we're reinforcing or repeating, or weaken the connection with less use. 
Since learning creates a synaptic connection when you're thinking, feeling, or doing something new, and with repeated practice, we create a neural pathway in our brain that becomes stronger the more we repeat it, it would make sense that if we want to stop doing something or break a habit, that we just need to avoid certain thoughts, feelings, and actions, making the impulses or neural connections weaker and weaker. Stephanie Fay spoke about this concept on episode 39, taking it one step deeper, explaining that the brain creates high-priority pathways with skills we're practicing and then eliminates low-priority pathways with skills we ignore. She shares how the brain rewires itself using myelin, a mixture of protein and fatty substances that form an insulating sheath around the nerve fiber, increasing the speed and efficiency of electrical impulses along the nerve cells, and explaining why patterned repetition is so important for the skills we want to improve, develop, and keep. What I think is crazy is that two of the people I've interviewed have spoken about the fact that they became interested in this concept of neuroplasticity at a time that it was not yet accepted. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, on a bonus episode we released February of 2021, mentioned she wanted to dedicate her studies to the fact that if we can direct our mind, we can direct or change our brain, and two of her professors told her this was a ridiculous idea. She went on to build her career around this idea, has worked with thousands of people all over the world for the past 38 years, teaching people how to cultivate the power of their own thinking and direct their own brain changes. During our last interview with Barbara Aerosmith-Young, she mentioned to me prior to her interview that the early days of her program caused quite a lot of controversy, and people even picketed outside her presentation because the concepts she was teaching were not understood or accepted. I have to say, honestly, that if I was picketed during my first presentation on the brain, it was difficult enough creating a presentation on something new, let alone having a ton of criticism about it. I'm not even sure I would have continued with this work. To me, you can see the belief that was behind Dr. Leaf's work for her to push forward and make such an impact. And then Barbara Aerosmith-Young, she knew that she had changed her own brain with the results in her life being so obvious that this belief is all that both women would need to move forward leaps and bounds with these ideas. So how can you use this concept of neuroplasticity, whether you're in the school or the workplace? I learned about the ages model. That's a good way for us to remember how we can continue to grow our brain and strengthen the neural pathways we want to keep. So A in ages stands for attention. This was John Medina's brain rule number four. We don't pay attention to boring things. I'm sure you've heard that audiences check out after 10 minutes or that the brain can only focus on one thing at a time, making multitasking a bad idea. The funny thing is that although you might have heard the fact that the average person's attention span is shorter than that of a goldfish, there's no evidence that human attention is shrinking or that the goldfish has a particularly short attention span either. So anyway, how do we hold our students' attention in the classroom or during a presentation we might be doing in the workplace? The next two letters hold the secret. G is for generation or gender, to make meaningful connections to prior learning. 
I think it's important to make connections based on age and experience, but I would also change this to gender using John Medina's brain rule number four, that male and female brains are different. Did you know that men's and women's brains are different structurally and biochemically? Men have bigger amygdala and produce serotonin faster, and women and men respond differently to stress. Women remember emotional details easier, not because they're more emotional, but because they perceive their emotional landscape with more data points or detail and see it in greater resolution. Bringing us to the E in ages for emotion. And we went deep into this area on episode number 127. We do know that when audiences or students are checking out after 10 minutes, we can grab their attention back by telling narratives or creating events rich in emotion. Emotions help memories form and stick, so if you want to make your next presentation or lesson memorable, the best way is to somehow connect with your audience or class with a story that they connect to on an emotional level. This activates the mirror neurons in the audience, and they'll listen, connect to you, and trust you on a deeper level. The S in ages is for spaced repetition. We heard from Dr. John Donlosky, a professor of psychology at Kent State University, who's contributed empirical and theoretical work on memory and metacognition, including theories of self-regulated learning and metacomprehension. With years of research on which learning strategies yielded the most results for learning new information, it was not using a yellow highlighter in class. I still use mine, though. But it was spaced repetition of new learning that took the new skill from short-term memory to long-term. If we think about how neuroplasticity works, it makes sense that we use whatever method we can to keep what we're learning interesting for learners to actually listen to you, connecting to different generations and genders, adding emotion and repeating the new learning to strengthen the neural pathways and be sure it's reinforced with the myelin that will make this information pass through the pathway quickly and efficiently. Neuroplasticity to me is the secret to learning something new with the knowledge that this new learning will forever change my brain, both its structure and function. Both Dr. Leaf and Barbara Aerosmith Young would agree with this. I'll see you next week for episode number 134 with an incredible woman, Kristen Holmes, the VP of Performance Science at Whoop.com, as we debrief my first month of using this device that measures sleep, strain, and recovery and was listed number one in wellness with Fast Company's 2020 Most Innovative Companies. The results and deep dive into my data of this device that's used by many pro athletes like Patrick Mahomes will blow you away. Have a good weekend. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 